You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, I have Will Glory Tanjung, the founder and CEO of Anima Iris, a technology-driven luxury brand that is industrializing Africa through retail. Starting with a personal investment of $5,000 in under two years, Will Glory scaled Anima Iris into a multi-million dollar valued company. Will Glory has built an engaged and loyal community of over 95,000 irises, as she calls them, across social platforms. And the brand has grown rapidly and is now available at Saks Fifth Avenue, Bloomingdale's, and more. Anima Iris has even been worn and highlighted by Beyonce, seen on Issa Rae's Insecure, and featured in Essence, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, InStyle, L, and more. At Anima Iris, every bag is carefully handcrafted by seasoned professionals in Senegal. And in today's episode, Will Glory shares how she scaled her business while juggling a full-time MBA and dual degree program at Wharton Business School. She also shares her approach to saving and finances that allows her to bootstrap her business so far. And she shares the story behind that infamous photo shoot of Beyonce wearing one of her Anima Iris bags. You're not going to want to miss this. So let's get right into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the guest chair, Will Glory. You guys, it has been a journey. We have had to cancel, reschedule so many times, and I'm so glad we're finally doing this. So welcome officially to the guest chair, Will Glory. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. I'm so impressed by you, so inspired by you. So you, as I can see, you are very, you're naturally fashionable, stylish, and all of that. But you don't have a formal background in fashion, right? So what led you to go into this industry of starting a fashion product? Yeah, I am not formally trained in fashion. Um, And that was actually something that I had to overcome in becoming comfortable and even calling myself a designer. It kind of felt like I had, you know, imposter syndrome in a way. But um, I just, I've always loved fashion. I remember like begging my mom to buy me this like Vogue fashion book. (laughs) From Barnes and Nobles when I was a kid. We used to always go to Barnes and Nobles and get books there all the time. And I just love flipping through the pages. And the thing is, I never saw people that looked like me in it, though. So I never really considered myself as someone who could one day work in an industry like that. However, when I did start making bags, it was just for fun. It was just because I was like, oh my gosh, this is just a really good relief because I've always been a creative person. So it just felt like, like it just, it felt like I was just having an opportunity to it was creative like, it was expression care like yeah like it was like yeah. self-care um i totally get that it was like self-care um because i was also going through a really difficult mental health journey as well at the mm. time so i was just creating for fun and then it just kind of hit me like maybe i could actually sell these bags because people are always like oh well, glory where'd you get this where'd you get that um and i'm like yeah. maybe people will buy things that i make let's see <laughs> <laughs> And look at you now. So tell me a little bit more about the 
actual making process because I can speak from personal experience. That is the part that intimidates. That's the part that stops a lot of us in our tracks. And you, as we record, you're actually in Senegal right now. So um, how did that process come about? Were you there and said, you know what, this is where I want my home base production facility to be? Yeah. So initially, I think I, people don't know that I didn't like venture out to start Anima Iris, right? Anima Iris came to me, fashion found me. This purpose mm. was, you know, when, when, when you are destined to do something, your purpose will find you as long as you are also looking for it at the same time. I was in Senegal, um, interviewing young people for the African Hustle series was just this platform I created on YouTube where I yes. documented the work that young Africans were doing and the things that they were building. And I had gone to Ghana, I went to um, Kenya, and I decided to go to Senegal as the first francophone country to see what other young people were doing there. Now, while I was in Senegal, I came across this incredible community of artisans who just create all kinds of things. And so I was making handbags and jewelry at first, and I was just like yeah. so amazed. I was like, I cannot believe I drew something. And then yep. we like put all these materials together and a couple of days later, like it's a real life thing that I, I can actually use and wear and love. Like that was just so much fun to me. Yeah, I would have been amazed by that, too. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. <laughs> and I think that's why I have such a you know great following online, because I show people that process and they are amazed by it. I feel like, you know, people kind of gatekeep how to build a company be the behind yes. the scenes. And I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Let me show you guys everything I'm doing and how I'm going about doing it. Um, but yeah, so like long story short, along the way, um, you know, I met some really great artisans. The first artisan I actually mm -hmm. worked with, I no longer work with him. So that did not end well. But fortunately, the uh -oh. next artisan I worked, yeah, that's just <laughs> the reality, right? It's like, yeah. good people are hard to find, but you have to keep going and keep trusting your, in, your instincts. Um, the second artisan I started working with we built a really great relationship and then i stood and he led me to another good person and you know good people okay. know other good people and that's how i built my team but it's it was really hard like these are artisans who do not work for other people they mm -hmm. you know they do work for other people as in you hire them to make their bags but they work with all different kinds of people right so uh, to get them to come uh -huh. on board full-time and to be like i'm taking you out of your ateliers to come yeah. to my facility to work here for me only me full time that was that was really difficult but it, and it took it was it took me about a year to wow. get you know people to trust me and to see the vision but wow. as they saw like the you know their workload increasing it was like first i was like i need 10 bags and 20 then 40 and then 50 and then it's like oh we're not even make, able to make enough we need a bigger team like people started yeah. seeing the vision for sure said it took like about a year so how what did that look like in terms of your lifestyle you know you were working coming back and forth traveling or was a lot of this done virtually all right so let me set the let me set the background so here yes, we please. are it's november 2019 and this is when i'm like 
I'm just going to do this side hustle thing on Nima Iris, right? I had actually taken time off of work. So it's like heading into month six, it's time for me to go back to work. I'm doing a lot better in terms of my mental health. That's initially why I took time off from work. Um, And I head back to work. I, you know, so December, you know, got to get that bonus. (laughs) One thing about it. (laughs) I know that's right. I I returned this time for the end of year bonus, child. Um, (laughs) And I'm just like saving, 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 saving. Like I'm saving 70% of my paycheck wow. um, and I'm actually living with a friend and people, this is mm-hmm. actually something I've never shared um, or don't share frequently, but I lived with um, a family friend who she was so gracious. I mean, to this day, she needs anything. I would never say no. So she was an overnight nurse and mm-hmm. I worked during the day. So we actually yeah. shared a room. And she let me stay at her place for free. And I was like, literally, please, at least let me play utilities. Like, I can't just stay here for free. And I would go to work during the day. And then she'd be sleeping during the day. And then I might see her as she's like, you know, I'm coming home and she's leaving, et cetera. And so it was just kind of like perfect. And I did that for about three months, saved 70% Uh of my paycheck. I'm saving like crazy. I'm planning to quit, you know, in April. But now I'm like really over the company. Come, you know, then it was like, yeah, I was like really over it. So it was like March, you know, it's like every single day I'm fighting for my life to make it to the next day because my financial advisor and I had agreed upon a certain amount before she would, you know, would essentially let me like quit the job and think, okay, well, like you've saved enough. You can, you can pursue what you want to do and in, in being a comfortable financial setting. But then COVID happened. Ugh. And and then it I was, was like, waiting for the balls to drop. Yep. Then it was like, oh, hold on. Didn't plan for that. Didn't plan for a pandemic. <laughs> so I ended up. Um, so but the week COVID was announced a pandemic, I still quit my job because I was like, you okay. know what? I yeah. had so much faith in what I was doing that I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to go and quit and we're going to see where I land. Um, Because at the end of the day, you know, I have this great degree, very fortunate to have graduated from Princeton. It's like somebody going to hire me, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I quit my job um, and then I moved to Philly and I'm living with a friend and we have both quit our jobs. We're going to quit our jobs. We're going to quit our job society. (laughs) We we built our our businesses, you know, alongside each other. And it was amazing. Um, you know, I supported her. She supported me. And I'm incredibly grateful mm-hmm. for, for, you know, having been able to do that. Um, and then one day I called my friend to let him know, like, hey, bro, I just moved to Philly. And he was a student uh-huh. at Wharton. And this is how I actually ended up at Wharton. And he's like, so we're talking and he's like, oh, you know, well, there's this program at Wharton I think you should apply to. So long story short, I ended up applying with like three days left to the deadline. Um, what? What's the program called? I mean, had you taken yeah. your GMAT? What? So I didn't. I hadn't taken the GMAT. But here's the thing. Because of COVID, the GMAT, yeah. the, all these testing organizations had not figured out how to, you know, do <sighs> at home testing. Everyone was like scared yeah. to go outside for valid yeah. reasons. Um, yes. You know? <laughs> so one was like, all right, you know what? Y'all that were applying in the last, like it was the third round, mm-hmm. you don't have to submit your GMAT score. You don't have to submit a GRE score. We will consider your application without those test scores. But mm. if you do get in, you have to take it. So I'm okay. like, when I tell you, so I got in and I like was sitting there taking the GMAT or I don't know what's the GRE, the GMAT online. 
I was like, I was really that mean. That's like, I just, I, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> but I really just showed up. I could not tell you what score I got. That is amazing. I, just, I did not you know. know. That's how they were. That's what was going on. I, it was. I was incredibly it's so crazy how everyone had to adapt. Yes, and there were a lot of there were other schools that um that did that that didn't mm-hmm. take into consideration your test score. So that yeah. was a really unique opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I applied for the. But program. you know what, Will Glory? There's just so many amazing things that you said. So hold. That thought right yeah <laughs> but what i want to touch on is number one you had a financial advisor like yes. how many people have that at and what what age did you get a financial advisor i got a financial advisor my freshman year in college when i was getting refund checks from princeton and uh-huh. i had spent all of it at j crew and i was like <laughs> And I feel like I said then I looked at myself in the mirror. I said, Will, where did all your money go? I yeah, had no yeah. idea. I, so yeah. I reached out to the richest person I knew, Maxine Clark. She found a Build-A-Bear. That was my mentor at the time. And I said, Maxine, wow. please. Like, I, I didn't I don't know. I don't I didn't I don't come from money. I don't know anything about yeah. things. Maxine is the greatest person in the world. She plugged me to wow. her financial advisor. And through her financial advisor, I started saving 30% of every paycheck. Any paycheck Princeton cut me, I, I saved 30% of it. And I ended up graduating, you know, with about, I think it was either 12000 or 21000 one of those two numbers, probably $21,000 in savings. That is amazing. That, you don't hear that often. That's why I had to roll it back so we could talk about that. <laughs> How did you get Maxine as your mentor? Was that through Princeton or a program? I did this program called um, LIDA, Leadership Enterprise for Diverse America. They actually helped me get into college. They help low-income students um, who are also high-achieving. And they, um, you spend a summer on Princeton's campus, and they help you apply Mm -hmm. and everything. So definitely recommend for people to apply to that program. So Maxine is a supporter of that program, and I met her through that program and yeah so she's been great i love her wow all right y'all all right so we're gonna get back to will glory's story but if you are right now thinking like i don't need a financial advisor go get one let this be the inspiration and also if you know anyone who qualifies tell them about that program lead up So, all right, we're back. You've moved to Philly. You reach out to your friend. What happens next? So he's telling me um, there's this program called Lauder, and it's a uh-huh. dual war in and um, international studies program. So you, yes. so I would be getting my degree in international studies with a focus in Africa. There are other regions you can focus in and also getting a war in degree. So I'd be getting two degrees at the same time. And I'm like... That makes sense. And he, so we're looking at each other like, this makes sense. I just spent yeah. this times traveling Africa. You know, mm-hmm. I am build, building a business on the African continent. I'm very entrepreneurial. So the MBA was making sense. The international studies program was making sense. So I applied. I pulled together my application literally in three days. Um, Super grateful. My roommate at the time, she was like super supportive. Like she was on it. She's like, Will, apply. Make sure you do it. My cousin, Ashil, you know, he helped look over my application. I mean, consistently in my success, it always takes a community. And um, so even getting into war and I'm so grateful for all the people that just even said, like, push me. We're like, girl, apply. So, and then I got in and it was like, okay, wait, hold on. Whoa. (laughs) 
Were you planning to go to business school? Didn't think I was going to get in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you ever worry about the money part? Because like starting a business is this huge investment and then going to business school is a huge investment. So how did you make that decision? Yeah, Warren is very expensive. Um, So I was very fortunate to not have graduated undergrad with any debt. So taking on debt in grad school was not like I was adding on to anything. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and then Lauder had also given me substantial financial aid that not only covered their program, but then it also covered a portion of my Wharton program. So okay. it was still expensive to attend Wharton, but it was a lot more affordable. And how did you, once you started, how did you balance running a business plus going to grad school. So this is how we then, you know, circle back to how I'm building a good relationship with my artisans because what happens is Warren is online for the first year, the entire first year is online. And I become a huge benefactor of that. Right. So now I am actually able to travel to Senegal. So Senegal had opened up their borders to like Senegalese citizens and Americans. I don't know why specifically Americans, but I was like, I'll be in there. questions we in there let's go like I was like my first says America okay (laughs) and so I went to Senegal and I would wake up every morning at um about 8 a.m I would meet with my artisans by 9 a.m start working worked in the atelier of my artisans and I was there every single day like sun up to sun down um I would buy it was by 1 p.m I was taking my first class. I started at like 9 a.m. at the time. That was a time zone difference. And 9 a.m. was my first class for Lauder. Um, And then would be taking classes all day for both the Lauder program and for Wharton. I would do, and then by like the end of the day, my artisans and I would finish around six o'clock. Then I'd go home. I would do another class from Wharton. I would do, you know, go to study hours or like whatever they're called um, to get extra help and would mm-hmm. end my day usually around 10 to midnight. And that's how I was doing wow. it every single day. And I became super close with my artisans because they were seeing, they, they really knew I was in school. I would be uh-huh. in classes and in the background, you would see all these bags and people would be like, where is this? <laughs> you know, Great like, promo. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, And my artisan, he actually purchased and installed an AC unit in his Mm -hmm. atelier because I would be there with my like little neck fan. I was so hot, but the hustle (laughs) is real. Like I I was so hot, I was sweating. I was sitting there, I was in class. And so he like spent his own money and he installed an AC unit for me so I could be more comfortable knowing that I was there every single day. Now that is a story. I don't think I've ever heard anybody's story that is just this. I mean, I'm sitting here just amazed (laughs) and also just truly blown away. I mean, the fact that you're doing this and as someone who, so I went to business school and, uh, you know, had to do the in-person, like I remember struggling getting to that 9 a.m. class. I used to think like, oh man, it sucks that everyone is online, but not for you when you're building a whole business. And this is not just like, 
a little side business. Yeah. This is, so talk about what starts happening too in this year. Like right. you're featured on Insecure. Beyonce is wearing your bags. Like how did that my come gosh, about? My queen. I just, so my before, queen, the Beyonce, queen. before the Beyonce <laughs> moment happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I actually, so Lauder program starts in the summer. So okay. here I am, I'm online doing the Lauder program or taking our classes. And right. I just start seeing my phone, like, I keep getting texts. And I'm like, why are my friends texting me? Like, y'all know I'm trying to do this school thing. Like, <laughs> yes. you know? And, like, my friends are blowing up my phone. So I turn my camera off. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I'm in class. And then I right. see, like, somebody tweeted about uh -huh. us. And they were like, oh, if you're looking for Black-owned handbags, this is a brand I really like. Like, one of her customers had tweeted about us. When I told mm -hmm. you, like, we were, it was going viral. It was, it was getting so many retweets. Orders yes. were coming in. It was like ping, 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 ping. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so at this point, you know, now my camera is mm -hmm. always off in class because I'm packing <laughs> yeah. orders and trying to listen to whatever the professor is saying. So the struggle yeah. from before I've even started day one of work the struggle <laughs> is already real. Um, yep. And I, so at this point now we're doing about $10,000 a month in sales. Yep. And um, so I'm like feeling great about it. I didn't think this business was going to accelerate so quickly. Um, yep. But you know, it's like we're growing. There's like 15,000, there's like 20,000. And then I actually ended up having to drop out of the lauder program. Oh. And, you know, because I, I mean, I told you what a typical day looks like, right? From 8 right, a.m. Right. to 8 p to 10 p.m. midnight. It was yep. too much. I was stretching yeah. myself way too thin. And it was one of those things that was like, I'm going to fail as a business owner. I'm going to fail in Wharton. I'm going to fail in Lauder because I cannot commit enough time to any of these things. Yeah, I was wondering how you were doing that. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think for me, it was it was incredibly difficult. Um, mm -hmm. especially as a first gen African immigrant, this idea of dropping out is like, so like, it's like what we don't, I mean, what is that? I've like never heard of an African person ever dropping out of anything. Like <laughs> we just, that's just not even a topic of conversation. So you're going to college, you're going to get your education, mm -hmm. you're going to finish it. And whatever you do yeah. after that is your business. But like you, one thing about it, you're going to finish what you start. And I had to come to this reckoning, like, I simply just cannot continue forward. It's, it's yeah. just not possible. Um, so I, you know, and the program leaders, they understood that. And I remember that night I cried. I cried so hard because I was like, Aww. I really felt like I had failed, you know. But no. I had to make the decision that's like, what does success actually look like a year, two years from now? is building a, a business, you know, by the time I graduate war and I had to ask myself, is building a multi-million dollar valued business by the time you graduate going mm -hmm. to be what you deem to be success? Or is it going to be graduating at the top of your class in both war and, and lauder as successful? And I chose my business because I had already done the Princeton thing, you know, the educational thing. I graduated Princeton cum laude, graduated at the top of my class, right? Like yeah. I have nothing left to prove to anyone, whether, you know, about being academically capable. I know I am. Now I have to prove right. to myself and to the world that I am entrepreneurial enough to build something that's going to make a difference. And that's what I decided to do.
snap, snap, snaps. I mean, <laughs> that's it right there. And I mean, really, you don't have to prove anything to anybody but yourself. Exactly. But I, I like that you face that question of what does success look like to me? Because yes. that's what matters at the end of the day. What does that look like to me? So for you, you talk about being an open book. You talked yeah. about working with different artists. How do you go about scaling your business and growing your business without worrying about, you know, people copying, people who you no longer work with, running forward with your designs? How do you manage all of this, all these moving parts? Yeah. All right. So in terms of people copying, you know, I have been getting copied a lot. Unfortunately, it's coming majorly from other Black women designers, which, you know, oh, really no. and that hurts me most. It's like, yeah. if Zara is going to, you know, copy me, please, Zara, don't copy me because then I, I have to stop wearing Zara and that's half my closet. Mm -hmm. So, Zara, please don't copy me. But, <laughs> right, <laughs> but right. it's like, it's one thing if um, you're copied by like, oh, you know, a corporate institution or whatever. It's another when you're copied by other people that look like you, that really hurts. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm copied a lot by people, other people in Senegal. Um, oh. one of my bags was like copied, like straight, like this is not even inspiration. This is like, you showed your team, wow. this is the bag we're trying to make. Let's redo it. You yeah. know? Yeah. But, um, I, I haven't worried too much about my team because those first two people I told you about mm -hmm. that, you know, I like became really close with, let me actually tell you the story. So the first person I started the start, so I had the first artisan. Him and I didn't mm -hmm. work out. I found another artisan, um, and yep. his name was his name is Malik. And he then, mm -hmm. when I wanted to expand, he introduced me to Sheikh. Now Sheikh also speaks English. Sheikh okay. and I did not get off on a good foot because Sheikh had somehow found the, my bag and he wanted to work with me. And so I don't know how he got my number, but he made my Zaza bag <laughs> and sent it to me. Oh, and I'm no. like, wait a minute, hold up. Like, why are you making my bag? It's like sending it to me. And Malik had to make Chef apologize. She was like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. We did not get off on a, a, wow. a good foot at all. <laughs> but then when it came time to needing another artisan, mm -hmm. Malik was like, you should ask Chef. You know, he's a great artisan. And I'm like, all right, Malik, <laughs> I'll <help> you. <laughs> And yeah. we'll be adding Chef onto the team. Chef and I became really close, especially because he also speaks English really quite well. And okay. um, he he and I became so close that he would always tell his mom about me, actually. Um, and Chef has a story that he told me like a couple of months ago that I had. I didn't know. I've known him for, you know, over two years now, but I didn't know about this. Mm -hmm. There is this tragedy that has occurred quite frequently in which you know, we have young Senegalese people going onto these boats mm -hmm. and trying to immigrate to mm. like um, to like Italy and Spain, et cetera. And it's extraordinarily yeah. dangerous. And a lot of people are dying on these boats mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they feel as if there's no opportunity in their country. 
And Chef told me that when he was like 20 something years old, he did that against his mother's will. His mom was like, I will literally die if you go on that boat. And he did. And he told me that he actually almost died. They ran out of food. They ran out of water and they made it all the way. I'm forgetting whether it was Spain or Italy just Mm -hmm. to be flown back to Senegal. And his mom was like, just keep working on what you're doing. One day, everything is going to change. So by the time Chef meets me, right, Mm -hmm. um, he tells his mom about me. And his mom (laughs) is like, I love this girl. She's a woman. She's a boss. She's building, growing. Like she's, you know, and I'm a big fan too. Like I'm like, I can't wait for the day to meet his mom. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming back and um, learning that his mom, unfortunately, she had been sick for some time and she passed. Oh. And before she passed, though, one of the last things that she told Chef was, whatever you do, stay by the glory side. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys are meant to work together. You guys are going to go to new heights together, like stay by her side. And... That was something that, like, he was like, that is why, with Glory, no matter what happens in this business, I'm always going to mm-hmm. be by your side. I feel like I'm getting so emotional. Wow. Because I'm getting emotional listening. I, it's just, and it's I thank you for sharing this with us. Yeah. And, you know, and I and I did get permission from, from Chef to be able to share this story. So, but yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like you come to this country, this continent, hoping to make change. And you really are. Um, I did not, I I had learned about these tragic accidents happening to Senegalese, young Senegalese people by sea. I had no idea that this artisan I adored and loved so much could have been one of those people. And to see that, you know, him and I have now really built this business alongside each other. You know, that's why I don't even like referring to anybody that works for me as like an employee because I feel like you're not building this business for me. We're building this together. We're building this alongside each other. So now Chef and I, we're super close. He knows like all the artisans in this country. And (laughs) anytime I'm like, okay, Chef, it's looking like we're going to need another one too. He already Mm -hmm. has like a list in his own head of who Mm -hmm. he's going to bring on next. And he's super intentional. Personality and attitude is everything. If you cannot work in a community setting, this is just simply not for you. If you are only Mm -hmm. here to make money and that's it, you know, like my artisans definitely make good money. Don't get me wrong. But if money is your only driving factor, this company is not for you. So Mm -hmm. Shell is able to like filter out and find those people for me and he onboards them and brings them on. So this is why I tell people that good people know other good people and it's really hard to find good people but when you find them make sure you keep them yes oh my gosh that story was so powerful and yeah you take a minute you take a minute because there there are a few that hit home for me that i want to call attention to um of course it's relationship building right when people talk about hiring 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 and it does come down to relationships it does come down to how you feel and how you work together and that rapport and that trust at the end of the day you have to have this trust in 
a person on your team, um, you know, however you refer to them. So that relationship building is so key, especially when you're first starting out. I know as you get bigger and bigger, you might not have that same relationship with everybody on your yeah. team, but at least that core person who's helping to grow your company is passing that along and they're growing that with the intentionality and the um, integrity that you have looked for in your business. And then also this idea of impact. So I know for me, a lot of times when you think of impact, you think it has to be this huge scale of like, I need to impact a thousand women. I need to <laughs> impact a million women and all this, all these big benchmarks that we put out there. But we forget that if you can change the life of one person and yeah. then they go on, like that is the ripple effect of impact. And so we have to focus on that a little bit more and start, stop thinking like, oh, I need every $1 of every sale to go to some charity that we're not connected with. And we're yeah. not looking at how that money is being deployed and inputted into communities. Why don't we focus on that personal connection and that impact? So I love that you highlighted that with that story. No, that's a thousand percent. And, um, you know, for me, it's like <laughs> the other week, one of my artisans came up to me and he was asking me if he could, you know, I think he like needed the day off tomorrow because yeah. um, he wanted to, he needed to go sign this paperwork for land that he had purchased. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. like, yes, like, wow. <laughs> yes. Like, obviously take the day off and congrats on buying land you know like yeah. and that for me is what it looks like when people are receiving good consistent pay it's like yes you know they're able to actually buy property expand upon it build provide mm -hmm. for their family you know like i remember thinking last christmas i asked chef like what is him and his kids they were doing like for christmas he was like telling me all this different stuff i'm like damn this kid's <laughs> really living life <laughs> i'm like y'all living life <laughs> they are living you know, because it's like and i you know i've yeah. met his kids on um on FaceTime and, you know, Aww. I've talked to the kids of some of my other artisans and yeah. it's, it's really wonderful to, cause you, to see them. Cause then it's like, when I'm hustling every single month, my boost, my business mm -hmm. is still bootstrapped. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I'm hustling every single month. It's, it's like, I can't mess around because no. I, I, it, there are families relying on me and I know the faces of the children that are relying on me too. I you know, know so. You have bills, you have real overhead, real things yeah. to pay for each and every month. So let's talk about that a little bit. Now you mentioned like you started having $10,000 and $15,000 yeah. and $20,000 a month. What did that look like on the profit side? Like how much of this are you able to retain or how much of this are you putting back into the business? And, and talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so fortunately, um, handbags are actually a very profitable business. The luxury handbag industry um, has really strong margins. And so that has allowed me to be profitable a few months into the business. And then, you know, as we were like growing and scaling, like I lost profitability because, you know, now you're investing a whole bunch of money into mm -hmm. inventory and it's not. So you sell those things, you know, you start recouping that money. Um, but, you know, we've gained profitability, lost it, but, you know, we've remained cash flow positive for mm -hmm. like over a year now. And I just keep investing it all back into the business, um, all of it. 
right? Because I feel like mm-hmm. this is this is what I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to be doing right now. This is what the money should be doing. Um, and so, you know, we growing the team, adding on new people, you know, now we source from Italy, which is expensive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The materials yeah. are a lot more expensive and we're investing in that, but um, we definitely reap the benefits of that for sure. So when you say that you don't take anything from it, so how do you pay yourself? Okay, so I do pay myself. And this is funny because okay. one day my financial advisor, like, you know, about a year ago, she was like, well, um, hmm, do you have <laughs> to like monthly? You're paying all these people. I don't see your name on any right. of Excel sheets. And I was like, oh, no, like, I don't pay myself. Like, everyone has to get paid. It's not about me. <laughs> And she's like, well, Gloria, you need to pay yourself too. You need to prioritize paying yourself because you're putting a lot of work into this company. So I do pay myself. I set set aside um, $5,000 to be transparent. I set aside $5,000 each month. And Mm -hmm. even when when I do payroll, I cut everybody's check besides mine. I do always do mine last. And, um, but... If we're being honest, Anima Harris is still an LLC, so there is no such thing as really paying yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. I learned when I filed taxes. I had yeah. um, an accountant for the first time because once Anima Harris started making money, I was like, oh, I need an accountant because I'm not trying to go to prison. Because if I do my taxes <laughs> one more time on Turbo, I'm going right. to for real. It'll <laughs> pull you up like, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> So what you're talking about is like you're still like a single member LLC and yes. so it's still like it's that blurry area of like technically you're still filing under your name too and it's yes. like, yeah stuff exactly. gets real blurry. So all earnings are technically my earnings but right. you know and so by the time I had to pay taxes I said huh <laughs> See, I mean, yep. all these 5000 I was setting myself each month is not, you know, they're they like, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that is not tax deductible because what, what that is, and I have to understand, was that it is a transfer of money to another account. But uh-huh. baby, you, I am not on payroll, you know. And so until the structure of my business changes, you know, yes. maybe if I bring on investors someday, I'll actually be on payroll. And that'll be a very different mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, also one thing I want to say, um, shout out to Brandon Blackwood because he connected me to his accountant, actually. Nice. Um, and I work with his accountant. Yeah. So I'm telling wow. you. Like, I love to see that, yeah. you know, synergy <laughs> and, and help across same industry. That's awesome. Shout no, out to Brandon, Brandon Blackwood. He's Jamaican. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like literally one of the most wonderful people in the world. Like I'm always sharing. Oh, I love to hear that. You hear that? That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the e-commerce platform with everything you need to run a successful online business. I use Shopify to sell my Side Hustle Pro merch over on SideHustleShop.co. And if you have a signature gold Side Hustle Pro mug, then it came from my Shopify store. I love Shopify because Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling gold mugs or candles, start selling with Shopify and join the platform, simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. 
With Shopify, you can customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify and you can too. This podcast actually started as a side hustle, as you know, and it's now my full-time job and running my shop on Shopify helps make this possible. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. This is possibility powered by Shopify. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash hustle pro. Go to shopify.com slash hustle pro to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash hustle pro. As people are thinking about where to start their businesses, I noticed that, you know, you started in Senegal, you're still there. Mm-hmm. What went into, but you, you are sourcing a little bit from Italy too. So how does that work as far as, was it a matter of, oh, I started here, this works? Or have you ever considered other places when you look at the bottom line and, and how much materials cost? Yeah, um, I've considered expanding into Ghana, not necessarily because of the bottom line, just because, you know, I wanted yeah. to grow the operation. Um, mm-hmm. I went to, and Ghana is just a country that I, I loved being. So I was like, I'd love to just like be here having fun <laughs> and like, building this business. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you do, I have a friend for you <laughs> to connect with. <laughs> so, but so I went to Kamase with a friend, um, mm-hmm. one of my good friends, Phil, who has his own shoe company, Phil and Joe. And he uh-huh. works out of Kamase and they do a lot of, you know, leather good stuff there. And I tried to, you know, have them make a bag. And unfortunately, they they just aren't busting bags down the same as the way, you know, in Ghana mm. as the way they are in Senegal, unfortunately. Um, so I then I realized, I said, okay, you know what? Each African country kind of has their own thing that they're really, really good at. Like, my artisans here are actually, like, literally incredible. Um, and... I realized, like, I should stay in Senegal, expand the handbag portion of this business here, especially since, you know, Sheikh, like, knows everybody and will be able to continue growing the company. Because now it's like everybody want to work for Nima Iris. All the artists in ah. Yeah. Um, especially in their artisanal community, they're like, yeah, this American girl, like, came and gave everyone jobs. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, a lot of there are artisans who are like literally like getting trying to improve and get better so they can you know be at the caliber to work for us nice so i'm like all right well let's stay in senegal let's continue producing our uh-huh. handbags in senegal the goal of this company is to become a lifestyle company right so we're starting yes. with handbags but i want to venture into shoes i want to venture into clothes i want to venture back into jewelry mm-hmm. um i want to do furniture one day i love furniture and home decor and wallpaper yes, and stuff like that yes i'm and here I for all stay, of that i want to stay made in africa as much as possible and so in ghana their strength is clothes like oh my gosh mm-hmm. like they can sew over there you know yeah. 
So I'm like, if I'm going to expand into making clothes, I might ex consider Ghana um, and, you know, things like that. So that's what my own expansion plan looks like in terms okay. of how to expand across Africa. And let's talk a little bit about the marketing piece. So obviously word of mouth was great for you, um, but word of mouth, it can ebb and flow, right? Yeah. So as you are, you know, in grad school, focused on scaling a company, how did you tackle marketing, promoting your business, getting it in front of eyes? Oh, oh my gosh. This is, this just reminded me. I got so sidetracked. I even forgot to talk about Beyonce. So we're going to have to circle back. To right. Her. No, we yeah. are circling back. Don't you worry. I'm okay. bringing it back. But okay. first, I want to know, like, how, how you, what were some tactical steps that you yeah. were doing, you know? So initially, when I started building out the business, um, we were building it in a way that was like, kind of like every other business. Like I was building uh -huh. it in a way where I was inspired by established luxury houses Okay. And that wasn't really resonating with people. And it made sense, right? Which is like, these established luxury houses have like... They don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, they don't really got to yeah. do much, right? They don't have to mm -hmm. prove themselves anymore. So now it's like, well, as a young brand, it's like, how mm -hmm. do you differentiate yourself? Because we are right. different. So there's right. no reason to be a company that's actually really different from these fashion houses and market ourselves or showcase ourselves on social media the same way. So I started becoming more of, you know, the face of the brand when I realized that people kind of like liked seeing me. And, you know, this is just kind of like a tip to all the entrepreneurs out there is that people nowadays want folks want brands um, who have a face behind it. And that's why you see even huge luxury houses now having these brand ambassadors that are really popular with people, you know, because now those, you know, those celebrities, et cetera, are the faces of the brands and people can resonate with the brand, with those luxury houses even more. Right. So being somebody that has a very big personality and I was just like very open and just like, not really caring, you know, if I was being copied or whatever, because I'm like, listen, you're going to copy me. Like, you're always going to be worried. You're always going to be 10 steps behind because I'm already on yep. to the next thing. So yep. I was just so transparent. People love that. They love seeing the behind the scenes. And so it all started on Instagram. Instagram is really where we built our initial following. And people would like, you know, reshare to other people, um, tell them about us. Um, I will also create content that was reshareable, which was key. So when you're mm. thinking about the kind of content you're creating, you have to think like, would I reshare this? Would my yes, friends yes. reshare this? You know, yes. you don't want your friends resharing your content just because they're like, oh, I, I want to support my homegirl. You want them <laughs> right, right. No, because yeah. like my friends reshare the content and like they don't even tag me no more because it's like they're sharing it because they want to, you know, post it, not because they like yeah. want to get in their brownie points and they right. front up and supporting you. Let me also tag you so you see exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you want to create reshareable content, content that feels relatable, content that doesn't fit, feel like it's been so polished and put together, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why yep. for a long time we didn't really do like these extensive like next level campaigns, um, editorial campaigns. Like I do them now just because I need editorial images out there. So right. like we do look like a serious brand. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
<laughs> you are a serious brand. Yeah. But I know what you mean. And I'm glad that you raised that as well. Because I think because Instagram started as such an eye-focused platform, like share what's going on with you, that yeah. when people then start a brand-focused page, they're thinking with that lens. But no, actually, you need to be thinking about the person. So it's kind of like, instead of saying, look what I did, it's like, look what you can do. And exactly. that content gets exactly. shared more. I get messages all the time from people who are like, you inspired me to like, you know, go for this, to build this company, to do this. Yes. Like, and that is, and that, and that, and that's what is so meaningful for me, you know, and yeah. that's why showcasing how I'm doing it um, and showcasing the behind the scenes and being so transparent is important because yes. people are like learning from that. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I always tell people all the time, like I got a lot of messages, people, you know, wanting me to, um, help them like one-on-one -on -one, and I can't help everyone one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm, I actually think that my greatest gift to entrepreneurs who are interested mm -hmm. in doing what I'm doing is my social media. Yes. If you read between the lines and you don't consume the content like a everyday person, you're consuming the content from like an analytical perspective and thinking, why did Glory post it like that? Why is she saying it like that? You're going to start seeing and understanding and it's going to really teach you a lot. Like, you know, just that. going through Anima Iris's history, like you will learn so much as an entrepreneur for sure. All right, so now we got to talk about Beyonce. How yes. did she find Anima Iris? How did this come to be? I need to know. <laughs> so I won a three-month free PR marketing gift package thing from this um, uh -huh. Black-owned company called Simmons PR. Okay. And um, a part of it, she was like, she, she said, send me a list of who you would love to have your bag on. And obviously, Beyonce was on that list. And she got in contact with Beyonce stylist Zarina at the time. And Zarina was like, oh, yeah, let's get some of her bags. And so we shipped out bags to Beyonce. And I remember, like, we shipped multiple bags. And there was the one bag, the one that Beyonce ended up wearing. There was this, the one bag that Cher actually had to, like, make because we didn't have it ready to ship. And I told Chef, I said, Chef, this back is for Beyonce. And he was like, are you for real? You I was it. like, Chef, I'm for real. He's like, are you serious? I was like, Beyonce might wear this back. I'm so serious. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so here I am. And at this point, I'm still fulfilling my own orders. Like, I am my own fulfillment center still. I pack it up. I write a little note. I don't think Beyonce ever saw the note, to be honest. But, yeah. you know, I was like, Beyonce, like, you're, like, such an inspiration. Love you, girl. And um, And I prayed over it. And I remember, I'll never forget, I prayed over it and I said, God, if this is your will, let your will be done. And I shipped it. And that that one shipped alone. And I, then I remember yeah. months, months passed. Beyonce ain't wearing the bags. I said, Beyonce hates any Myers. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, she must think her bags are whack. Right, 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 right. I'm like, she hasn't worn us. You know, I shipped it in April. So by the time August roll around, I'm like, oh, it's slow. I'm not looking to see if she's going to wear it at all. You know, not realizing yeah. that Beyonce has like warehouses of like stuff that people have sent her. So you got to make it past the warehouse days, child. It's actually a long process um, to wow. get onto Beyonce. But then um, one day I had been fulfilling orders, still my own fulfillment center. 
and I did a end of summer sale. So we were getting a lot of orders. And then I remember um, I woke up that day. I was like, I had so many orders to pack and I actually recorded myself. And that's why I have this video where I talk to, I tell the story and there's a video with it because I recorded myself fulfilling orders that day. And yeah. I was so tired by the end of the day. I remember I drove, I put all my stuff in my little Honda Accord, all the bags and all the boxes in there, drove it to the UPS. I was complaining to the UPS guy. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like I'm sweating, I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm over it. You know, like I'm waiting for my big break. I'm like, Lord. Yep. And he was like, no, like look at all these orders. Like you have customers, you're doing it. Like keep going. I would love to be in your position. I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and so I get home and it's the end of the day and I'm like, all right, I'm about to go shower, but you know, because yeah. can't help but go on social media one more time. So <laughs> I get on Instagram one more time and the very first post is a post from Beyonce. And I'm like, what is my queen up to today? I mean, she ain't in my bag yet, but you know, it's no harm, no foul. I'm still a big fan. <laughs> so I swipe. So the, in the video, she's walking with like one of the babies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Rumi and she's walking with the baby and they're heading towards the helicopter, you know, just rich people things. Um, <laughs> right, right, normal right. mode of transportation, you know, she's probably just going down the street, honestly. Um, and I, you know, so I swipe and I'm like, oh my God, Beyonce, my, my armpits start itching. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, I'm like in those Nigerian movies, like, oh my God, like, oh my. <laughs> and I just, and no one is around. So I'm just like, oh, Beyonce is where am I? Why is nobody here? <laughs> I didn't even have to zoom Oh my in God. And I just start seeing messages. Is that your bag on Beyonce's shirt? I was like, that is my bag on Beyonce. And I get on Instagram. I, rep- I was like, y'all, Beyonce is wearing my bag. <laughs> and I commented it. People were commenting, tagging us. Like that was one of the best days of my life. Um, uh, and it was. So I know it was. Timely. I know it was. It was wow. so timely. It wasn't even like, wow. it was like I was really down. Like I was really complaining two hours ago. Like I was over mm-hmm. it. And little did I know Beyonce had worn my bag like earlier that day or something. You know what wow. I mean? And you're about to get more orders to ship out. <laughs> so here and now the website is sold out and I'm like, oh, well, now I'm really about to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point, wow. I got my friends. I'm like, y'all got to help yeah. me. Beyonce sold the yeah. website out. But, oh, my gosh, I will never forget that day. And I'm so thankful to my friends who took the time to celebrate with me. Um, And, you know, then we had a Beyonce approved party. We had, like, a cutout. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Beyonce was sending me pictures of that, okay? I'll try to insert pictures, y'all. Watch the YouTube version. (laughs) That is so cool. Oh, my God. I would have had a heart attack. So shout out to you for not fainting. Um, That, I don't know what I would do. Like, So did you see, like, lasting increase after that? Or is it one of those things where it does spike, but then it kind of resumes a normal pace? So uh, there was definitely a spike um, yeah. that month. 
I believe we hit 100K for like the first time, right? So it was like we had this Mm -hmm. sale. So, you know, we were already like doing really well that month. And then Beyonce came on through and just wrapped it up and put a little, you know, Bebo on it. And it was fun. And so I think what that did is less about whether that like hype was sustained Mm -hmm. and more about what it does to a brand when a person like Beyonce wears it, right? Beyonce mm-hmm. don't have to wear nothing she don't want to wear. She's not going to wear nothing yep. she don't want to wear. So if Beyonce's wearing yeah. anything, you know, she want to wear right. it. And that means that, like, and that's saying something without having to ever actually say anything. Yes, yes. And what that did was provide a lot of validation for us. Like, here we are, this small, new to the scene, made in Africa company, and mm-hmm. on her waist is not, um, you know, a bag from these traditional European fashion houses, it's from an artisan in Senegal named Chef alongside with Glory who, you know, made this bag for her. And that is so incredibly important, um, especially because, you know, Beyonce is a celebrity of all celebrities. And so that also gave my business validation, but that gave me a lot of confidence. Because mm. I think as a Black woman, a black yep. person, a woman, a black woman entrepreneur, a person yeah. who is not a fashion designer, who doesn't come from money. I mean, so many different things. Like so many forces are working against me, you know, mm-hmm. to not necessarily make me feel confident. But like by the time Beyonce put on my bag, it was like you could not tell me nothing. Don't nobody's rejections going. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's so funny that you say so many forces can be seen as working against you, but so many forces are working for you. But they're also right? working for you. Yes. Yep. Because it turns out, and I spoke to KJ Moody about it, Beyonce stylist, who styled her mm-hmm. with the bag. Shout out KJ. He's literally the most amazing Shout person. Out. Oh my God. Uh-huh. He is incredible personality. We yeah. randomly had breakfast together in Paris. We were finally able to meet. Like, look at that. Like, I was in Paris for, you know, Amazing. my friend's wedding for the yeah. weekend and he was there he was for there. fashion week. And anyway, so we had breakfast in Paris and he told me about the Beyonce moment and how it happened. And oh. That was his first time styling her, actually. So that was a big wow. week for him, too. So, yeah. you know, so it was one of those moments where he's waiting to see if people are going to like the work that he's done. And mm-hmm. um, he told me he was like, yeah, you know, like he was like, we had a whole different outfit planned. And the outfit just wasn't coming together. Mm-hmm. But he had my bag in there as part of, you know, the options for Beyonce to choose through. And he was like, Beyonce picked up your bag and said, I really like this bag. And so they reconstructed the whole outfit around the bag. Wow. They picked the skirt, they picked the top, you know, and then she was like, she wanted to wear it around her waist. So then they, you know, he put the, he put, made the crossbody strap, a little waist bag. And, and that moment happened. So I'm sitting here in Paris. I said, oh, so you mean to tell me it's not just like <laughs> Beyonce wore my bag. It's like Beyonce chose my bag. You Beyonce know? chose your bag. Like, I'm listen, I'm telling you, I tweeted the other day. I was like, I cannot wait for the day I get my own, like, I'm so proud of you, dash B flowers. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's my trajectory in life right now. It's like, that's oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that you know this. And I'm you glad know? that you're claiming it. And you already know. So yeah. I just love that you share these stories with us, too. <laughs> 
I mean, the fact of the matter is like, it's like, you know, she knows the the brand is black Mm -hmm. owned. She likes that and she wants to support black owned brands. And so here it is where you can see, you know, perhaps my blackness is working against me, right? And and that kind of force. But then there are forces working for me where there are very powerful people who want to support black businesses and who are intentional about doing so. Um, And her support changed the trajectory of my company truly forever. So I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. to Beyonce. I'm so grateful to KJ Moody. Um, it, It has meant everything to me. So what does it look like in terms of staff now? How big is your team and how big do you, you know, uh, see yourself growing your team to be able to handle your current workload? Yeah, we definitely need more team members. Um, I think people think my business is a lot bigger than it actually is. (laughs) Um, We have uh, about um, seven artisans. Okay. And we have like an operational manager here. Then we have two other people who do marketing and socials and truly just kind of like everything. They're my go-to people, like everything else. And then there's Mm -hmm. me. And So um, who handles fulfillment? Oh, so now fulfillment is no longer being handled in the home of World Glory. It's now being handled handled by a fulfillment center that fulfills for a whole lot of other brands. Um, And they're wonderful. You know, they've been very helpful. So, yeah. So getting that off the plate. That was a great day to take all my boxes. And do you think you held on to it a a little longer than you needed to? Like what what made you decide to finally outsource that? Absolutely. I remember somebody telling me that the faster you can get a fulfillment center to start, you know, fulfilling your stuff, the, yeah. the better. Um, because like when this, when Beyonce moments and things like these viral moments happen, it becomes yeah. very, very difficult on your business. So um, I definitely, definitely wish I had done it a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process of onboarding and everything is so much. We have so many different kinds of bags and things like that, yeah. but we're finally in a very comfortable place where we're able to, you okay. know, easily fulfill. But yes, I absolutely recommend that entrepreneurs, I always say like, get your product out there as soon as possible. It doesn't need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Your audience, mm-hmm. your customers will let you know what they need from you to make mm-hmm. it perfect. Um, and then also, you know, try and work with a fulfillment center as soon as possible, as soon as you can. Man, I could talk to you all day. We do have to <laughs> jump to the lightning round. One last thing before we head to the lightning round. So how did you approach um, finding a fulfillment center? How do you do that Google search? What what do you look for? Yeah. So that's something that someone else on my team did. But okay. I think like if you like Google, you'll find like some of the really popular ones um, and I also just have to have conversations with them, right? Like some of them okay. are like younger, growing, and are willing to grow with you. Some are like, oh, you are not bringing in enough, you know, <laughs> orders each month for us to like kind of take you seriously. Because, you know, at that point, okay. they, their fulfillment centers are running like Amazon, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It took us some time, and we had to have meetings with different fulfillment centers for sure. But personality is everything. You know, I think like... This the business is so heavy on personality, actually. Like, and I say this all the time. Like, I'm actually not great at math. Granted, I did graduate from a <laughs> school, a school of finance, so that was crazy. But um, <laughs> so 
So, I mean, now I can do some math, but, um, you know, like I, I have a lot of shortcomings. I'm not perfect. You know, I make mistakes. But one thing, you know, I do really well is I trust my gut, yes. my instincts. Yes. And whether you want to call that intuition or vibes, it's like I built this company straight out of vibes, not mm. off Excel sheets, not off, you know, data, blah, blah, blah. Rah, ta, 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 ta. It's like I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I built it all vibes where it's like, you know, you yeah. test the vibes of the people you're working with. It's like that first artisan, the vibe was off. The second one, the vibe yeah. was, was on. You know, yeah. and you start working with people, you feel the vibe and you're like, you see whether or not mm -hmm. you, they, they are going to be there for you. And, um, yeah. and the vibes of the fulfillment center, we're currently working with right. the owner. The vibes were so on. Thank you for that encouragement, because we need that encouragement. I'll share with you, too, that, you know, just like yesterday, I was um, getting ready to sign a big contract and I was just nervous. I was talking to my brand manager about it, my brand partnerships manager, yeah. and he was like, you know, here's the exit clause in the contract. <laughs> he was like, yeah. if you don't like it, you do have a way to exit. I was like, right. that's true. That's true. I was like, you have to take a chance. And if things Absolutely. don't work out, you can move on. All right. It won't be the end of the world. <laughs> We didn't even get to that part of, you know, the things I love to tell people, which is like, uh -huh. there's great importance in just starting and going and pursuing. Um, because if things like one of the worst things that could have happened for me would be like, okay, my business fails. People laugh at yeah. me. Um, all right, bounce back. I can still dress. So what? Like, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> so what? Well, you can't bite me. <laughs> And, you right. know, and, and it's like, you know, just get a job somewhere else. Like you, yeah. sometimes we kind of think like the worst thing that can happen is like catastrophic and it really kind of mm -hmm. isn't. Yes. Set yourself mm -hmm. up to succeed, but always have an exit clause. I yeah. had an exit clause. That was my Princeton degree. And the fact that I also had a really good, you know, savings account, like that's, right. you know, 20, 20 grand. Yeah, I believe it was 20, about 20 grand. 20 grand is, is a lot of money for someone who's just kind of like doing whatever, you know, and then I was like saving all my other money. So, so yeah, it's, you know, I always have an exit clause, but recognize like the worst thing that can happen is probably also like not that deep at the end of the day. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, not, day, like life is not that serious. Not that <laughs> Take serious. it easy. It might be over before you know it. So please just go after it. All right. All right. We're going to do the lightning round, y'all. Y'all going to have to hit up Will Glory on social. All right. <laughs> want to continue this conversation. So really quick lightning round. All right. First of all, number one, what is a resource, like the top resource that you can think of when you think of something that's helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? First thing that is coming to mind is Canva. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to the founder of Canva. I remember seeing that, you know, Canva is like a billion, multi-billion dollar co corporation. I was like, that girl that founded that company deserves every dollar because she has fully changed and altered the ability for businesses to actually, you know, visually create in a world mm -hmm. where the visuals matter so much. Canva yes. is an incredible resource that allows you to make your business look so professional. And it's like mm -hmm. something you whipped online in like three seconds. So Canva is amazing. That, that little $12, $14 subscription is worth every penny each month. Yep. <laughs> Love Canva. Um, number two, who is a black woman entrepreneur that you admire and why? Like someone realistic <laughs> that you would trade places with. 
that oh that i would trade places with okay for like a day yeah um i was gonna say i really admire my homegirl lamide from topicals she has an incredible business that she's building with great products and a great community and i'm just so inspired by her we launched our companies around the same time and she's just doing Mm. amazing so i always you know shout her out every opportunity that i can in terms yes. of trading lives, I'm trying. I'm trying to live in Rihanna's life, actually. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Number three. What is a non-negotiable part of your day? Um, that's such an interesting question because I don't think I have like anything that's non-negotiable. And I was like, yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm very real. Like, you know, I don't have the best, the the best, the healthiest practices. Like I don't get up every day and I'm like, oh, I have to do my stretches. I don't get up every day. I have to work out. I'm not a, getting up every day like, oh, I have to, like, eat my breakfast. Some days, <laughs> some days I don't eat my breakfast, you know. Like, some days I, I, you know, sleep sleep later. Like, I just, I am so committed to doing what I'm doing that truly mm-hmm. everything actually is negotiable. But mm-hmm. I'm hoping to That's get my right. business to a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping to get my business to a place where, um, you know, once we have a lot more capital inserted into the business, hopefully through investments, I'll be able to hire more help. And then maybe I will be able to get up every day and be like, no, I got to do this little stretch moment. That's (laughs) non-negotiable. Don't talk to me before 10. (laughs) So what would you say is a personal habit, though, that has helped you in your business? Oh, you know what it is? I like always try to make people laugh. Um, (laughs) yeah i feel like i think i'm a very funny person um Mm -hmm. and i think i have a pretty good sense of humor i'm not like you know stand-up comedy funny but like like, witty things that'll make people Mm -hmm. laugh and i realized that um my personality was such a big factor in my success when i went to italy recently and i met up with some of my leather suppliers and they had like a team dinner at the end of the day with their entire team. And they invited me. They invited me and my buyer to attend alongside Kendall from Kendall Miles Shoes, um, who mm-hmm. I was there with. And I was sitting there, you know, and I was like, oh, this is, you don't have like your other customers here, you know? Ah. And it was like, because they really like me, you know, they actually yeah. really just like working with me. And that's when I was yes. like, wow, you know, they follow me on socials too. And then there's yeah. another supplier that I work with. And I remember going there two trips ago and <laughs> the guy who like oversees the leather production, I do not know whether, I don't know how he found like our account or whatever. He was just like, uh-huh. who are you making these particular leathers for? And then he found us online. <laughs> He is such a fan. I remember walking in. He was like, oh, my gosh, she's here. (laughs) (laughs) And when I saw you, like, he, like, brought a piece of paper and asked me to sign it for him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. I love it. It matters. It matters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. love to work with people they like it matters that is so important that cannot be you know understated it's like you can be the best math person the most organized the best ideas the most creative 
if you are not a person folks like to work with, they are not going to work with you. Or if they, or like the best thing is like when they do work with you, they kind of like go above and beyond. You know, they really like, they really like go do their best. They're happy. They're happy to be working. Yeah. Yeah. To be working with you. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for all of our different partners and all the different people I get to meet and work with. Um, relationships really are important, you know, of course I'm mm-hmm. not perfect and I've, but yep. I've taken those moments where I have failed in relationships with other people to learn, mm-hmm. to grow and make sure it doesn't happen again. Cause everything is a learning lesson. Yes. And then finally, what would you say is your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who want to be their own boss, start their own business one day, but are kind of scared of losing that steady paycheck? I mean, listen. For me, I sat back and I had to think like, all right, I'm at this company. I'm making good money. The company is not like overwhelming or anything. Good work-life balance. I, in 10 years, I'll have Mm -hmm. this position. This is how much this position is making. You know, this is probably what my house will look like. Like this is probably (laughs) what my life will look like. And I was like, I don't really like that. Like that, that, that life I painted of what it would look like in 10 years, if I stayed with that company, any company Mm. was Mm -hmm. not exciting for me. It, Mm. for me, it was like, I'd always felt like I had so much more to contribute to this world. And if you feel like you have a calling, which we all do, we all have a purpose in this life, then pursue that. Not every, listen, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It is very hard. Side hustles should, can be for everybody. And even side hustles don't always have to be something you're making money off of. It can also be something you just love. But in this life, make sure mm-hmm. you do something that you love and you care about. That's going to drive you every single day. So I always tell people, go and try to find out. Like we talked about, have an exit clause, have some yes. sort of backup, right? Don't listen, do not listen to this podcast interview and quit your job tomorrow. <laughs> right. Even though right. Beyonce said to quit your job, listen, quit right, right. a plan, all right? Because Beyonce no exit clause. Plan either. Yes. Some like, savings. That is what we emphasize here inside Hustle Pro world, all right? Gotta but, have savings. Absolutely. Like I said, I was literally living with a friend saving 70% of my paycheck like that was like I was committed to leaving that job you know and so it's like you really have to commit Mm. yourself to saving at least people usually say at least six months I live an expensive lifestyle so for a girl like me it's like a year (laughs) (laughs) you are my kind of people you are my kind of people (laughs) Know yourself, baby. All right. That is why I started side hustling. I knew exactly (laughs) my lifestyle needed to be maintained before I do this entrepreneur thing. Yeah. So, all right. Some way, somehow, find out. Some way, somehow, go find out. Yeah. This has been so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Um, so before you leave, please let everyone know where they can connect with you and shop Anima Iris after this episode. Yes. All right. Shopping Anima Iris. You can find us on our website, Anima, A-N-I-M-A, Iris, I-R-I-S dot com. You can also find us at Saks Fifth Avenue in stores online. You can find us at Nordstrom. You can find us at Bloomingdale's. You can find us at Amazon Luxury Stores. Um, and... 
terms of connecting with us online. We are on Instagram at anima.iris. We are on Twitter, anima underscore iris. We are on <laughs> TikTok at anima.iris. My personal Instagram and TikTok is Glory with two Ys, W-I-L-G-L-O-R-Y-Y. I love connecting with people, love talking to people via DM. So feel free to reach out to me. Um, and yeah, and hopefully I'm actually working on a masterclass as well that Ooh, will yes. hopefully help a lot of people as you know, yes. in the beginning stages of starting a business. So child, yes. once we get that edited, I'll get it out there. But stay yes, tuned. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'm all about the masterclasses, you guys. I'm all about going to the people who are doing what I want to be doing and learning from them. I will pay yeah. you whatever I need to pay you, but you know, give me the straight shot to the information. Absolutely. So I'm not over here Googling. <laughs> <laughs> so yes uh, we'll look out for that thank you so so much for being here as you can see guys there's a lot we didn't even get to touch on but that's why we're going to need a part two <laughs> let me know if you want a part two but thank you again Will Glory. congrats on all your success <laughs> and with so that much. yes there you have it Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.